Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was the treasurer, was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once going out into the night. We assume that Jesus just washed Judas's feet. Knowing full well that Judas was going to betray him. And now Judas leaves the table to go do his betraying. It's a crazy and bizarre story. So what happens next? Now I'm going to change gospels for the sake of making a point. So Matthew chapter 26 just tells it more concisely. And in about an hour, you're going to be thankful that I was concise. Matthew 26, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. So he's going to cross over here from, uh, I don't know why this map doesn't print Jerusalem, but here's, here's Jerusalem where the roads meet, and they're going to go out, go down the valley, and they're going to go up on the side of, just at the bottom of the valley, really, just barely up the hills, Gethsemane. And so here's the Mount of Olives, there's Gethsemane. Uh, and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he's going to walk away from the disciples. He took Peter uh, and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further farther and bowed his head, bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Little, little nuance here. I think that sometimes we blow through this, looking at Jesus as the Son of God and forgetting that Jesus is also the Son of Man. He is in the flesh right here. He is in a physical body like you and I. And so in this one phrase, yet I want your will to be done, your will, not mine. Jesus shows the conflict of us giving up our will for our lives and surrendering to God's will. Does that make sense? Because we can say, well, you know, Jesus, it was his will too. Mm, I don't think it's ever our, the will of our flesh to go be crucified. Our, our flesh doesn't wake up in the morning saying, I'd like to be crucified today. No, my flesh wakes up saying, I would like some pancakes and some coffee. <laughs> then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to, the, to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? I can't help but imagine that Jesus is a little tuned up right here. He's, he knows what's about to happen. He's feeling emotional about it. Uh, he, I think that there's probably some degree of fear and anxiety about what is, he's distressed. He's very distressed because he knows what's gonna happen. And then here you have your, your buddies are taking a nap. Come on. 
They don't know though. Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. There's another great contrast there. Verse 42. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. My father, some of you are thinking, Brent, why don't you slow down and go through all of these? Because I'm fixing to do a series on Matthew, and it is a 10-year series. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Then Jesus left them a second line and a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. They had eaten too much dinner. Verse 44. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, look, up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So you have the story, you know what happens. Judas comes, he's gonna kiss Jesus on the cheek, he's betrayed. You have, we celebrated Jesus as king. He worked as a servant, and then he is betrayed. Jesus is betrayed like every other person on the planet. Jesus has been there and done that. He is king, he is servant, he's betrayed. Number three, the sacrifice. Jesus stands trial. I don't know if you know, I thought that this was interesting. Um, Jesus stands trial six times before he is actually sentenced to die. Uh, so, uh, this is the best map that I could find. So over here is Gethsemane. Comes across uh, the valley here. He's going to come in. He's going to stand before uh, Annas, which is the, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. This map doesn't actually show Annas, uh, but they, this map shows him coming to, to Caiaphas' house first. Uh, Caiaphas is the high priest of the Jews. And then later, they're going to go uh, to the Sanhedrin. Uh, he'll be tried there. And then he's going to move to Pilate. Uh, Pilate's going to talk to Jesus. He's going to send him to Herod Annas. Antipas. Herod Antipas is going to send him back to Pilate again. Six times Jesus is accused of doing wrong. And six times his accusers fail to prove Jesus' sin. Finally, in an attempt to let Jesus go, Pilate offered to let a prisoner go free. The angry mob of temple attenders chose Barabbas, the political activist, possibly an assassin, probably an assassin. They chose him to go free. Jesus, who was innocent, would be crucified. Of the Old Testament Levitical tradition of sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin is requi requires the shedding of blood a requirement that echoes all the way back to Genesis 3 when you'll remember Adam killed and he skinned an animal to cover him and his wife's naked bodies. Blood has to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. Pilate turns Jesus over to the Jewish leaders who proceeded with Jesus to Golgotha outside 
of the city of Jerusalem. So that's this line here. They're going to go outside of the city walls, and there's Golgotha Hill. Later, I'm going to put a slide up. It has a picture of it. It's what we think is Golgotha. Uh, If I forget to tell you that later, now you know. Luke chapter 23. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have not never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? I'll teach on that one of these days. Verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really, if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. We deserve to die for our crimes. You have a thief, a criminal on the cross who is a master theologian. A lot of people go to church their entire lives and don't get this part. We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your what? Kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, it's that you can be certain Today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was about noon, and in New Mexico the sun is shining. By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, 
And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. (laughs) Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus fulfills the Levitical requirements of sacrifice in your place for your forgiveness of your sin for your righteousness. Amen, Brent, that's good preaching, hallelujah. I'm going to drink coffee while you guys think. It's like when your parents say, think about, think about what, that, what you just did. Think about what Jesus just did. Paul, he affirms this very succinctly, Romans 3.25. It says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. What did God do? He presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made, what? Right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. I know you're thinking, this is a good place to quit, Brent. I know it is a good place, but I have two more good places to quit. Hebrews. I love Hebrews. I took so many passages out. Hebrews chapter 10. (laughs) You're going to be glad I finished this series next week. He's like, he's going to read the entire Bible to us if we don't finish this series. It's either either like 20 chapters on Sunday morning or or I spend 50 minutes on four words. (laughs) It's kind of how I am. That's, That's how I preach, okay? If you don't like it, learn to like it. (laughs) Hebrews 10.8. Ah, he says, first, Christ said, I put that in bold. First, Christ said, you, because he's talking about God, God did not want animal sacrifices. Yeah, you, the you there is God did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. That's not what God wanted. That was not the ultimate goal. Nor were you pleased with them. Though they were required, they are required by the law of Moses. That's not what God wanted. That's the system that he set up to point to, sorry, verse 9. Then he said, look, I have come to do what? Your will. Who's your? Don't get lost in the pronouns. Your is God. Jesus says, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Then verse 10, for God's will 
Remember, Jesus says, not my will, but your will. For God's will was for us. You okay? He's not talking about someone else. He's talking about us. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Number four, the Savior. It's not the end of the story. We've got more. He's the sacrifice. He's the Savior. It's not finished. It's not finished yet. But very early, Luke chapter 24, verse 1, verses 1 through 99. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. This is, this is a modern picture of where they suspect the tomb was. So they come, they come looking for the body of Jesus, and there stood, they were puzzled because two men are standing there in, in their dazzling clothes. Uh, verse five, the women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? That could be a song. Alive. Verse six. I already have the hand gestures for it. Verse six. Uh, I'm not just. <laughs> he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Can you imagine they come to find Jesus? They saw him die. They were there whenever they wrapped him up and put him in the tomb for the weekend because they're going to take care of him on Sunday. They're coming to deal with some things. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day? I mean, Jesus had raised Lazarus so that the resurrection, the whole idea of the resurrection wouldn't be a foreign concept to these people. He's explained it to them. He's told them and they still didn't get it. Verse eight, then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back, to, back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples, because Judas isn't with them anymore, and everyone else what had happened. Verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe the emotional women. It. Verse 12, however, Peter, Peter's our man. If there's anything going on that's weird, He's going to be the one that's going to get involved. So Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linens, uh, linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. He's bewildered. He's Peter. He's like, I got out of a boat. I walked on water. And this is crazy. <laughs> Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus is the living sacrifice. He's the only living sacrifice. You know, you know what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world? A living Savior. 
Anybody can die. Not everybody rises. Jesus is the living sacrifice. We are not saved by the blood of sheep and goats. We are not, did you get that? We are not saved by the blood of sheep and goats. We are not saved by your ability to keep the Old Testament law. We are saved by the eternal, life-giving blood of Jesus. Jesus, who is the king. Jesus, who is the servant. Jesus, who is the sacrifice. But most importantly, Jesus, who is our Savior. Close in prayer, Brent. No, give me one more, one more passage of Scripture. <laughs> one more. But wait, there's more. We're fine. First Peter 3. He pulls all of this together. Uh, this is a fantastic passage of Scripture. If you love to memorize Scripture, um, this is a great one to memorize. I just remember the reference and I turn there often. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I put a picture of the world in the background because now we're back to this. Is, this isn't on a little map. This is global, okay? He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that you and I have been born again. John 3, Nicodemus, born of the Spirit. Because God raised. How, how is it that we're born again? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Just wrap your heart around that. Now, we, I'm reading this like it's a new translation, huh? Now, all of us, we, we live with great expectations of end time events and it's all going to hell. No, 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 no. Modern Christianity, well, not even modern Christianity. Christians have a real bad habit of Jesus is coming back and it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Dude, read the text. That's why I read it slow is because we've missed it for the last 50 years of somebody else's life. I'm not that old. Now, we who have been born again because of the resurrection of Jesus, we live with great expectations and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. See, you got nothing to complain about, nothing to complain about. And through your faith, God is protecting you. Who is protecting you? 
by his power. I like that. I don't know that Peter necessarily needed to put that in there. If God is protecting you, I think it's assumed that it is by his power. Dunamos. Dunamos. It is by God's power that he is protecting you until you receive this salvation. Because there's an element of, although the provision of salvation is completed, our receiving is still, we, we have this great expectation of the completion of our receiving salvation, which is already to be, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. We're not there yet. I mean, at the end of my sermon. So be truly glad is what verse six says. So be truly glad. You can smile. As Christians, we can smile. Why? Because we have great expectations of of the provision of God's salvation. This, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. I think of my brother-in-law Todd preaching about Job several weeks ago. Fantastic illustration of this verse. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, whole world, whole world. Verse eight, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice. I feel like Peter's speaking to us right now. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice. You rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about his glory, this glorious salvation prepared for you. We read the prophets. We read Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea, and we're like, wow, they're the prophets, the mouthpieces of God. And then we read Peter, and Peter's like, listen, those guys, they wrote, and they're like, I wish I understood the fullness of what I'm writing. They wrote it saying, I envy the people who are going to understand what I'm writing. That's us. They were told, verse 12, I think that's where I'm at. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for us. And now, and now, this good news has been announced to you by those who preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels, what? Even the angels are eagerly waiting these things to happen. We're not done yet. I mean, I'm done. But we're not done with 
what all God's up to. Through his son, Jesus, God has provided for the salvation Through his son, Jesus, God has provided for the salvation of every man, woman, and child perfectly and eternally. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you and I may stand before the holy God forgiven. We do not stand in fear of judgment or condemnation. We... Stand tall as children of the King, purchased by the blood of Jesus and reborn by the Holy Spirit. God has provided you with salvation. Now, some will scoff in unbelief. Some will dismiss all of this as untrue. Some will harden their own heart toward him. But to those who receive him, to those who believe in him, God has given them the right to be children of God. I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, not a reader of Christ, not a watcher of Christ, but to be a fully devoted follower of Christ Jesus, God's perfect provision for your salvation. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.